0: You're listening to the Weekly Sermon Podcast from Ridgecrest Baptist Church in Springfield, Missouri. To connect with us or learn more, visit us online at ridgecrestbaptist.org. Please stand with me as we stand on the solid rock of God's Word. This area today is roughly the area of Tel Aviv. In fact, this neighborhood or this particular town is in an outlying neighborhood of Tel Aviv. So if that kind of helps you if you've ever been to Israel and flown into Israel, that's basically where this is taking place. Notice this, verse 36. Now there was in Joppa a disciple named Tabitha. There's the good name, right? Which translated means Dorcas. Oops. She was full of good works and acts of charity. Now notice this, it gets serious. In those days she became ill and died. And when they had washed her, they laid her in an upper room. And she opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up. And he gave her his hand and raised her up. Then calling the saints and widows, he presented her alive. And it became known throughout all Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. And he stayed in Joppa for many days with one Simon, a tanner. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this passage of Scripture and this emphasis on a woman of faith and grace. We pray, God, that you will teach us much about your grace, and how that grace can lift us up. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. As I shared with you today, I want to share a message with you about what it means to be lifted up. Now, it's interesting that we have Tabitha as our first example here. And so I want to begin here in just a moment anyway. I'm going to set up a few more things for you. But our, one of our first points here is going to be that God is raising up, I believe, a lot of women in our church and in our community to do a great work for the kingdom. So we're going to talk about the work of grace in our, our, the women of our church, and the women of faith. But from there, we're going to see that the passage has more than just that agenda. The agenda really is about the grace of God. So we're going to talk about that in a secondary sense. Uh, We're going to talk about the grace of God. And then finally, we're going to talk about saving grace. Because I believe that's really the focal point of this passage. And of all, really, of the gospel, it really is about people coming to know the Lord. So that kind of lays out for us kind of what we're going to do with this text today. And I think what we'll see is this, that basically our Christian faith is about lifting people up. That is one of the great things about being a Christian. When you look at the essence of the Christian message, it teaches us that Jesus was laid in a tomb, but didn't stay in the tomb. He, ra- he was uh, risen from the grave, he raised up, and because of that, we have the hope of new life. We know that's true if we are a Christian in the spiritual sense. But the more I read the scriptures, the more I see that the gospel that we're proclaiming in the world today has the capacity. In fact, I think we have the priority of seeing how the gospel lifts people up. It is our job and duty and privilege to tell the world the gospel because the gospel lifts people up. I love that about our faith. It is, yes, about you finding the hope of Jesus in heaven. That's the ultimate But a wonderful secondary prize here is is that we are able to help people and love them well and care for them well, and we see in Tabitha that spirit, and it's a spirit that I would hope we could share in today. Jesus' power is on display in our passage this morning. We see him at work in the early church and among people like Peter. And as we share this message today, we will see the miracle working power of God is part of our tradition. I want you to get this. We do believe in the power of miracles because we believe that God uses miracles to lift people up. Jesus is in the business of lifting people up. And sometimes he will use the agency of a miracle to do that. Not always, but in this text he does. But I hope that you will see no matter what kind of healing, whether you are lifted up physically, emotionally, or spiritually, no matter what kind of healing Jesus does for you, he is lifting you up to save your soul and for you to be a witness so that others can be saved by grace through faith. Let's begin by looking at this beautiful woman, Tabitha. And all that she meant to the church there in Joppa. Let's talk about a woman of grace. Tabitha was a woman of grace, well-loved and well-known in Joppa. Luke provides just a handful of words for us here in the narrative of Acts to describe her. So if you will look in the text in verse 36, the first word to describe her, maybe the most important one, is that she was a disciple. Now, those of you who love language and and love those little details, let me give you a detail here. This is the only time in the New Testament Greek where the feminine form of disciple is found. I find that interesting. That is a really unusual feature of this. This is one of those things, okay, is, is Luke trying to get our attention? Most scholars say no, but I think there's something going on here. I know that in the history of the church... Uh, women have often been put in a secondary role in terms of being disciples. And I just want you to know that is not really at all the case in the New Testament. I think the New Testament shows that the women of the church were loved and they were seen to be leaders in the church. There is no doubt in my mind as we go through this text today that you will see and I have seen that Tabitha was a powerful presence in the church there in Joppa. She was well known because she was a disciple Again, the feminine form of that noun, she was a disciple of Jesus. But what does that mean? A disciple of Jesus just sits at his feet, learns about Jesus, understands who Jesus was, and that leads to this. The second thing we learn about Tabitha is that she was full of good works and charity. To be a professing Christian, a professing disciple of Jesus Christ, you must be an active Christian. There is no such thing as a Christian who gets to sit on the bench. You know, you watch uh, football right now. That's a big thing. Football's going on. And I often think, I have often thought about that backup quarterback role. Now, this year, a lot of backup quarterbacks became the main quarterback because of injuries. But just think about that. You A lot of times, you're going to spend the whole year on the bench. You've trained. You're an expert. You're one of the best quarterbacks in the world. And you never get to play the game. I think that some Christians act like that is normal for Christians. It is not. God has always got a place for you to exercise your gifts. The church's job is to provide you that that opportunity. But many of you do not take those opportunities. You put other things first, but a true disciple will be an active disciple. Tabitha was full of good works and charity. And verse 39 tells us this. She used her gifts to make the lives of others beautiful. She made tunics and other garments so beautiful, in fact, that when Peter shows up, like they, her friends uh, that are 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 grieving her loss, show these beautiful clothes. Now, let me explain to you why this is significant. Most of you are thinking, oh, well, you know, so what, beautiful clothes, Uh, she was a good seamstress, what does that, you know, what does that even mean? In our culture today, you know, where everything's kind of pre-bought, that doesn't mean anything, but in a world where everything had to be made, obviously people who could make things well uh, would have been greatly appreciated. And in this context, in particular, we see the -the over-the-top nature of Tabitha's love for people. She didn't want to just be there and provide clothing for the widows, but she wanted these women to feel beautiful. Now, I know that some in this room are going to say, well, what's the big deal? Well, that's a big, big deal. Let's think about the folks she's ministering to. These widows would have not only lost their, their, their spouse But many times they would have been left to be completely impoverished. So just being clothed would have been, you know, a blessing. But this woman, Tabitha, when she knew that she was a Christ follower, she knew that she needed to be active. She didn't just want to give clothes to these women. She wanted them to be beautiful. Let's call that lavish grace. God doesn't want to just use the church to be out there and just do mundane things. Now, sometimes we've got to do mundane things, things that just keep people going. But it's okay for us to extend lavish grace on people because guess what? That's what the gospel is all about. The lavish grace that comes to us through the cross of Jesus Christ. Amen? Lavish grace. Tabitha gets it. She is a disciple. She is doing many good works for Jesus. And she is doing this in a way that all around her would call beautiful. So a woman of grace lifts the spirits of those around her. Tabitha gives us a good model for the women of our church to say, a woman of grace, what does it look like? Well, a woman of grace is not just doing a job, but understands that she can bring something to the equation to lift the community up, using her time and her talents to really make a difference in people's lives. Look at Jesus. Look at how Jesus, when he comes into a person's life, he doesn't just give them a minor lift up. Usually, he radically transforms their equation. I believe this is the model for all of us, not just the women of our church, but the men of our church. God wants us to see grace as something lavish, and when we are filled with the Spirit, we will be able to lift people up as Jesus lifted people up. This woman was so well known that the Disciples there in Joppa had heard about a healing that had taken place in Lydda. The same one we talked about last week with Aeneas. This particular miracle had already spread. Now, it's about a four-hour walk from Lydda to Joppa. So the the church at Joppa sent a contingent to Lydda and said, hey, Peter, get over here. We have this amazing woman who's passed away. We are brokenhearted and grieving. Can you come and help us? Now, I don't know exactly what they asked. Did they ask for him to come and and see her come back to life? Perhaps, and most likely that's what happened. But the basis of the story is the church members in Joppa wanted to see if God would give grace to a woman of grace. And so they bring Peter into town, they bring him into the upper room where Tabitha is laid out. She is passed away. Now, let me say one more thing, one more word of encouragement to the women of our church. If you are a daughter of Christ, I want you to know here at Ridgecrest, we believe you have an important role to play. It's the church's job to train women and disciple them so that they can be women of grace. We want to do our part. We are serious about doing our part to raise up women to be women of grace. We want the females in our congregation from the youngest to the oldest. We want them all to know the respect that we have towards them because this is exactly what we see Jesus showing towards the women in his group. And we also see this continuing here. Peter understands the value of Tabitha. He understands that this woman is a crucial part of the kingdom's work. So crucial that God determined to raise her back from the dead. May you be so useful to the church that God would send somebody to raise you from the dead so that you could come back and help all right most of us it's just gone in good riddance but not here they want her back it's a powerful picture of what a woman of grace can do the women women's ministry of our church that is an obvious thing that 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 we do here. We talked about our men's ministry earlier. Maybe this is bad timing, Wayne, I don't know, but we do have a a very active women's ministry, but I don't want you to think that that's the only place to serve. I was thinking about it. When we look at our Celebrate Recovery Leadership Team, when we look at our Grief Share Team, we also have a ministry called uh, Top Stitchers, which is like literally after Tabitha's own heart kind of ministry, and many more ministries beside. We have ministries for the women of our church And I could go on and on and on. There's so many things. And I would even mention that when we commission a mission team, notice how often it is a plurality, a majority female, not male. A lot of our mission teams, Wayne spoke of us sending uh, dozens and dozens of teams out. Many, many women will go out and do ministry in the name of the kingdom. Friends, that's the way it is supposed to be. It is supposed to be the fact that the church is looking for ways to 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 utilize the wonderful gifts that the women bring to the congregation. Here, for Tabitha, it was uh, that of making clothes. That's great. I don't know many of you. How many of you in this room, male or female, are really good with a sewing machine? Raise your hand. That's more than I thought I would see. That is a rare gift, and I need to talk to you ladies because I need some things altered. But anyway. It's hard to find anybody that knows how to do that anymore. So that is a really, really valuable skill set. In this culture, it was an essential skill set. And it really made a difference. The key here is this woman made a difference. And women of God in this church, I want you to know, you can make a difference too. But I know that this sermon, normally when we preach about Tabitha, it's all about women. And I did watch the Barbie movie two days ago. Wife's been after me to watch it. Let me just say this. Um, that movie is trying to answer the question about a woman's role in society. It really is. Now, it's silly and fun and evil and some things like that. But anyway, there, there, there's some things going on there that I don't necessarily prove it. Here's the thing I want you to know that the story of Tabitha and many other passages, especially in the Gospels and dealing with Jesus, We, the questions the culture is asking about respect toward women, the best answers are in the Bible. The best answers are in Holy Scripture. I want you to know that some people think that feminism is, is a new thing uh, or that, that lifting up women's rights is something relatively recent, maybe going back to the 1700s or 1800s. If you do your research on that, let me tell you something. We got them beat by 2,000 years. The gospel of Jesus Christ shows the value that, that God displays toward those who are in the church, female, and are disciples of Jesus. So I want you to know that. But this is really not the main, main part of this text. The main part of this text is the grace of God. It really is about God's grace. God uses men and women to do the work of the church. But men and women in the church are nothing more than channels of the blessing of the grace, conduits of grace. No matter who you are, the work has to be God's work flowing through you. And all of us have roles, and we do believe there are biblical roles for men and women. Yes, absolutely. But the key is, regardless of your role, are you allowing the power of God and the grace of God to flow through you? In this story, we would maybe think that Peter is the focus because he is the one through whom the miracle comes. Notice the upper room in verse 37. What is it with upper rooms? In the Old Testament and New Testament alike, a lot of things happen in an upper room, healings in particular, prayer meetings in particular, 1 Kings 17, 19, 2 Kings 4, 10, we see healings in upper rooms, Luke 7, through 17, Luke 8, 49 and following, we see healings. And also we don't want to forget that the early church began with a prayer meeting in an upper room. We saw that in the early chapters of Acts, upper rooms are a big deal. Now, one of the things that we need to note here is this upper room is mentioned in verse 37 to go back to Tabitha for a minute to tell us something about Tabitha. Upper rooms in this particular culture, if you had a house and built an upper room, most of the time you did that for a widow who was a member of your family. So what this is telling us is Tabitha's ministry to widows was driven by the fact that she herself was a widow. Okay, interesting little tidbit there. A little bit of a wrinkle in the text that, that the eye might miss, the mind might miss without bringing attention to it. But that's what's going on. But here, when Peter walks into the room, he begins to, to just do things the way Jesus would do them. I think it's amazing to me that this uh, this incredible healing ministry here that takes place. Almost nothing is said about it. In fact, it happens so quick. We just know that he's up in the upper room, verse 39. He sees all the garments that she made. They're all saying, "Look how how amazing she was." They're weeping, um, and then you know Peter. I guess you know he he got a little tired of all the emotional stuff, and so he kicked everybody out of the room. He's like, ah, "Enough of the tears. Let's let's get to work here now." That's not why he did it. The reason he did it this way is because this is how Jesus does it. Everything about this text, if I were to take you to Mark chapter 5, where you see the instance where Jesus heals a young girl, Talitha, arise, and Pause for a moment, those of you who like technicalities. Tabitha means deer or gazelle. But the Aramaic word for daughter is talitha. So I think in this passage, Tabitha, talitha, I think we have a little bit of an echo. And what we're seeing here is everything in the text, whether we're talking about names and words employed, everything is showing us that the miracle that Peter is a part of is actually just the power of Jesus. Jesus. When God does something in the church through a person, it's not the person that should get the attention. It is always about the grace of God. God's grace wants to flow through you. Do you need a work of grace in your life? I believe you do. Do you believe God's grace can touch your life? I hope you do believe that. And stories like this remind us that God works through people like Peter, like Tabitha, like you and me. But we are most likely to experience the grace of God when our words and our actions closely mirror Jesus. The key here is Peter, okay, I'm a pastor. I get calls all the time. Can you help? Can you be here? And I can tell you a lot of times I get those calls and I really don't know what I'm gonna do. But here's the thing. When the bell rings, when the phone rings, when the text message comes and someone asks you to do something hard in the name of Jesus, the best thing you can do is to go to the scriptures and look and see how Jesus handled it. Make sure that your words and your deeds match up with Jesus as closely as possible because Jesus did it all right. In fact, Jesus said, when you see me at work, you see the Father at work. Jesus is saying, I am the presence of God the Father on the earth. So we have the very image of God in Christ. And when Christ speaks, we should be using those same words. And when Christ acts, we should be doing those same acts. The key is, is that the grace of God is clearly expressed and most clearly expressed when we are just behaving like Jesus. That's what this text is telling us. Tabitha is presented to the church. We are told verse forty one, alive. That's a big deal. Do you realize she was dead? The word here in Greek alive is, uh, has at its root the Greek word Zoe or Zoe. And it's the same word used in John 10:10 a, I have come to give them life and to give them more, give it to them more abundantly. Um, that idea of life is, is talking about very vibrant, electric kind of life. So here's the deal. She didn't wake up and then have to go to intensive care for six months. She was gone. She was in the upper room. She was laid out for her funeral, and she was brought back to life, full life. That's the power of God. Let me just say this. Peter wants to draw attention to jesus that's why he pointed everybody out of the room he wanted to point people to jesus instead of to himself but hear this if we will honor jesus with our words and deeds we will be a part of the grace of god and ultimately and this is where we need to land the grace of god is about saving grace if you look at this passage you would be tempted to say okay this is a passage telling us that women should have more role in the church well That's part of the equation. Others would read the text, our more charismatic friends, and say, no, this passage is about miracle-working power through the apostles and through prophets and preachers today. Well, not exactly, but yeah, I do think that we, we would be wise to open our eyes to the possibility that God's power can still be operative in the world today. I do believe in miracles. I do believe in the power of God. So I don't have a problem with that application. But if you look at where the text is leading us, it's not about just empowering women. And it's not just about miracles and taking a look at a miraculous event in Scripture. The ultimate purpose of all that we have read and all that we have thought about here this morning is that God is a God who saves people. Look at verse 42. The results of the good works of Tabitha leading to the resuscitation, bringing back to life of Tabitha is that many believed in the Lord. God allowed a miracle to take place that just happened to be bringing somebody back from the grave. But he did that so that people whose souls were bound for hell would be saved from that eternal damnation and they would know the hope of Jesus. Friends, our work in ministry, when God uses us, he is not using us to build anything that will last in this world. Everything that we do at Ridgecrest, it needs to be understood that it is for the moment. We are not building a kingdom for ourselves, but we are building the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God isn't about buildings and money. It's about souls. That's who we are. We believe in the saving power of the gospel. And this passage tells us that The gospel was at work. When God does something big, it opens up other people's eyes and they turn to Jesus. Out in the foyer, we finally have the display and the box where we can put those ping pong balls. And that may seem trite to you, but I took a picture of it the other day. Someone had put one in there. I didn't get a picture of it empty, but I do have a picture of it with one soul representing And I love the fact that that's when I was able to take a picture because that one gospel conversation means one sharing of the gospel. If you go out there now, there's far more in there. And we want to see that continue because every time you share the gospel, you can be discreet about it. You don't have to go brag. You don't have to bring a ping pong uh, paddle and be going like this for five minutes so that everybody knows that you've been sharing your faith this week. You know, that'd be great. Somebody's out there playing ping pong ball just so they know how great a witness. That's not what we're doing. Sneak by, grab one, put it in, pray over it, ask God to to bless that gospel conversation. If it didn't lead to a, a deeper conversation, that's okay. Your job is not to save people. Your job is to tell them about who saves them. Let God do the work. Be faithful. When you have that gospel conversation, don't be shy. Put it in that box, and we have a goal as a church of 8,400. Now, I know that some of you are going to really struggle to do your seven gospel conversations, but I talked to somebody this week who said that, you know, part of their ministry is sharing the gospel every week with people in prisons and things of that nature. They're sharing the gospel 20, 30 times a week. Not all of us have those particular kinds of... That's a captive audience, baby, but not all of us have that kind of opportunity. Bad joke, bad joke. Um, But we all have opportunities, you have a year plus. We're not just going to put it 12 months. We're going to wait and see, but I just want you to know it's a great opportunity because we believe when God begins to work in your heart, he will give a desire in your heart to share your faith, and then you will see God move. Tabitha's new life led to many people experiencing new life in Christ. There was an amplification effect. Very quickly, let me just say that we know this is the fact. In reality, This town of Joppa, there are a few records. There aren't many records from this time period, from this part of the world, but there are a few. And what we know is that, well, 100 years beyond this time period, the rabbis in Jerusalem are complaining in writing about all the Christians that are in Joppa. Are you following me? This event was so transformative for this community. So many people became Christians that 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 town was known as a Christian stronghold for multiple generations, well over a hundred years. Now you tell me, what's the greater miracle? Is the greater miracle the fact that Tabitha rose from the dead or the fact that the gospel was able to permeate a community, not for a day, a week, or even a generation but for a hundred plus years if God wants to do something big in this church hallelujah but he's not doing it for us he's doing it for his sake and for his kingdom let's pray for the miracle because when the miracle comes that means souls will be saved it's all about Jesus it's all about him Tabitha was great, Peter was great, but Jesus is Lord, and salvation is in his name. Little footnote, and I'll let you go. Let you go to be, be cold out there. Look at that last verse. You read right by it and miss the profundity. One of the most powerful statements in this passage is actually the 43rd verse. And when I've preached this text before, I have pretty well ignored it. But notice this and he stayed in Joppa, Peter stayed in Joppa for many days with one Simon, a Tanner. Now, one thing that we can glean from that is this. Peter staying in Joppa many days is another reason why the church was strong there for over a hundred years. The reason why is because Peter made disciples, he stayed around. The revival happened and he stayed around for a long time to build up disciples to have not just a moment, but a movement. Are you following me? Our job is to not have a moment, but to start a movement. That's why we're talking about church planting and things of that nature. We can have a great moment and fill up this building two or three times on Sunday morning and pat ourselves on the back and say we're doing our job. But that's just a moment. Our job isn't to do something for a moment. Our job is to preach Jesus and start a movement. And that's what Peter did. But the real wrinkle here in a beautiful way is the fact that he spent a long time with a guy by the name of Simon the Tanner. We don't know any more about him. But do you know what a Tanner is? It's a person who works in leather. Now, I wouldn't expect you to know this. Only nerds who read things that are crazy would know this. But Tanners were very unpopular in the Greco-Roman world. In fact, uh, people really didn't like them at all in the Hebrew world at all. And one of the reasons why they weren't liked in the Greco-Roman world is because if you were a tanner, you literally stunk. The process of tanning hides required some undesirable things, chemicals, as it were. I'll leave it at that. You can go read about it later if you like. Uh, There's some excellent uh, reading on that from the Roman Empire, and it'll gross you out. So let me just say, you knew who a tanner was because when they walked by, they smelled real bad. This does not make you popular at parties, okay? So smelling bad does not make you a popular person. So Peter goes and hangs out with a smelly guy. Is that what I'm talking about? No, it's even deeper than that. The reality is Simon the Tanner would have been ritually impure. Now, that is the key. Peter goes and stays in a place that most likely made him ritually unclean. What we see here is a clear shifting here in this one verse from a faith that is very connected with its Jewish past, very concerned about keeping the ceremonial law. But here we see Peter making the leap that we're going to see him make. He's going to go from hanging out with a tanner to eating pork barbecue. This is a big deal. This is a major cultural shift. And what this shows is, is that the gospel, the gospel teaches that it's not by what we do that saves us. It's what Christ did for us. This last verse reminds us that the gospel is a gospel of grace. This whole story is about grace, a woman of grace that helped establish a gospel movement, gospel grace that led to saving by grace of of not just a generation, but many generations. From beginning to end, this passage is about the saving grace of God. So how do we lift up our church? How do we lift up our community? How do we lift up women in our congregation, men in our congregation? How is this possible? Grace will lift us all. When we live lives of grace... We will lift up, not only ourselves, but those around us. A few questions for you as we come to invitation time. Let me ask you this. Tabitha was a difference maker. How are you making a difference? How is God's grace making a difference through you? Jesus is a miracle worker, and Peter was allowed to be a part of that. He was bold enough to pray like Jesus. Are you bold enough? to pray and minister like Jesus. And Jesus is ultimately the Savior here in this passage. It's all about salvation in the name of Jesus. Have you received Jesus by faith? It's the only way that the grace of God comes into your heart is by faith. Will you rest in Jesus, trust in Jesus, and serve in the name of Jesus? Make that commitment here today. Thanks for listening. For additional resources, to learn more about us, or get connected, visit ridgecrestbaptist.org.